Powered by Adept Packaging. This is the Inside the Box with Jared Spencer podcast. Bringing together top packaging professionals to share insight and knowledge on all things packaging. Now, introducing your host, Jared Spencer. Well, thanks, Ray, for joining me today. I appreciate it and look forward to this conversation. Yeah, thanks, Jared. I think it's really interesting about you guys and, and the topic around, you know, accelerating that sustainable packaging sort of in the age of experience. The salt systems, you know, most package engineers are probably more familiar and certainly with the SolidWorks side, but, you know, the salt systems, the whole and all, all the uh, di- different softwares that you guys have. It's really interesting and in kind of what you guys are bringing to the table in terms of that whole packaging development process. So we're really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, most of our customers are, are familiar with the more mature areas of our capabilities around solid modeling and things like that. But certainly our platform now is enabling a more holistic capability of doing things like multi-physics simulation. Yeah, no, absolutely. So yes, we, we kind of dive into, you know, sustainability and, and you know, we always see big push towards sustainability and I feel personally at least sustainability has kind of made that shift you know it was a, it was a big buzzword for a while I always joke the only green that mattered was the dollar but right. it's really to me it's at a point where it's it's really not even a its own thing it's really just part of doing business like you know companies have to be sustainable to, to be in business today so uh, to me at least it feels like we've sort of made that shift to it actually being something that's being implemented and now the challenge is being put on package engineers how, how do you actually reach these lofty goals that corporations are putting these different alignments and, and goals and standards they're putting out there into the public. And then it gets pushed down to the packaging team to actually deliver on those sustainability right. goals. Right. Absolutely. I, I think you're bang on with regards to the, the maturity level of most corporations now and on how they actually um, report and have corporate goals that are aligned now, certainly with execution. You know, maybe in the past, it was more of a PR play to be uh, to do greenwashing of their portfolios. But uh, certainly, I think you know the public at large and NGOs and, and governments are looking for media action to, uh, to address this problem. And so I think most businesses today certainly are taking this uh, uh, seriously. Yeah, no, absolutely. So so yeah, why don't we just kind of dive into to kind of what you guys are doing and kind of how you're supporting that that process. Yeah, for sure. Our presentation, you know, focused in and around understanding kind of the whole sustainable packaging, you know, ecosystem and, and how companies are approaching this kind of difficult problem. It seems that everyone is looking for kind of, you know, the magic bullet to kind of solve this problem. And I think the key factor is, I think, as we develop new technologies, it's just not, you know, any one thing. I think it's going to be, um, you know, a combination of multiple initiatives that will basically solve this problem. And we kind of highlight highlighted the fact that um, you know people are moving away from single use to more a circular specific business process where recycling is is part of the process but within the context of you know that circular economy there's a lot of uh, science and design as part of that process to make it you know massively more efficient so if you start you know at the beginning of the entire life cycle of a product you know the material that it's made from is going to be a deciding factor of all the downstream you know requirements uh, from the design of uh, the product itself and its performance, how it's manufactured, how uh, packaging suppliers are using and utilizing those materials, and then ultimately how OEMs deploy that in any specific country or regulatory region. So so materials and the science of materials are, I think, going to be critical to kind of solve this problem going forward. And, you know, just the aspects of uh, doing things like bioplastics is, is a great example of kind of trying to change the game. You know, in the past, I think companies have tried to do some, you know, very basic capabilities and reduction of material waste just from doing things like light 
light weighting and making their products, you know, more lean, uh, if you will, and, you know, really cutting down on the amount of materials being used. But I think it's really the, the game changers going forward will be the kind of the new materials that are developed as part of this process going forward. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. I think one of the biggest challenges, like you said, I mean, light weighting was, was huge and still is huge, but you can only take that so far. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, some of the brands are realizing too that they've almost taken it too far and it's actually affecting them from a brand image point of view. And as much as they want to be sustainable, you know, you like a bottle, you only want it so thin and, until you start to think, wow, this is an inferior product. So I, I totally agree with that. And I think on the, the raw material supply, certainly around that virtual model that you guys are able to do with your software, being able to, to really dive into material, how it's going to perform before in that design process, something we typically see is, is that pushback of you know trying new materials. They're not necessarily fully commercialized. How do you validate? How do you prove out a new material? It can, can be challenging. So certainly I see where you guys can play a role in there. Yeah, for sure. And and what we tried to kind of focus in on in the uh, presentation was, it, yeah, it's just not one you know, specific action that's required to kind of make this process work. It's, it's really this, you know, interconnected packaging value chain that, you know, it's really has kind of a domino effect on each kind of part of the process. So, you know, as I said earlier, if you start with a new material from the very beginning, the entire design and optimization of that material has to be taken into consideration from the very start of the process and how it's manufactured, how it's then you know, used and from post-consumer, how is it recycled and put back into the, the process of reusing that material again. So the technologies that we provide, and I think you know the aspect of understanding the cause and effect of all these downstream value chain impacts, I think are, um, you know, quite a value to things that haven't been proven or commercialized. If you can kind of anticipate, you know, bottlenecks or changes to design or changes to your manufacturing process through these, you know, digital virtual technologies, you know, certainly reduce the cost and ramp up time that's involved in implementing these new technologies. So that's kind of the, the message was, you know, you can't just take one siloed act action without considering kind of the bigger picture on how this downstream interaction happens, uh, implementing these new techs. Yeah, perfect. So how, how does your software, not how does it work, but but if you're looking at, you know, new material, like, like well, as from a package engineer, you know, looking, you know, 2020, you know, goals have come down, we, we need to be more sustainable, we need to find new materials. What would they do? Or kind of, can you walk me through that process a little bit of, yeah. of like, what does that look like? How does that work from a package engineer point of view? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you're starting from the very beginning of the process, I mean, if you get into the actual chemical engineering of maybe a new molecule and how that's being used in um, in developing of the raw materials, that's more of the upstream science. But once the raw material is complete and commercialized, you know, it, its performance characteristics can be modeled into these um, design and simulation systems so that a packaging engineer uh, can basically use these digital multi-physics engines to uh, predict performance. So basically the packaging engineer gets the performance characteristics from the supplier, those raw materials, and that's defined within those multi-physics engines. And then you can then use you know, your typical kind of solid modeling tools to basically design out and mathematically precise dimensional information to build out the the primary package. Its interaction also with secondary and tertiary packaging. I think that's 
kind of the exciting parts that people are looking at now is we've had quite simplistic models in the past where, you know, we've just had like a primary package, may it be a plastic bottle, glass, aluminum, whatever. Once you have those material properties, you know, you can do some basic tests like squeeze tests, tip over, you know, top load tests, uh, drop tests, all those things can be done on those primary packages. And the exciting thing now is with more computing power that's readily available and it's much cheaper, you can start to do more sophisticated co-simulations. So, so now you can take that primary container, you can fill it with uh, said product, you can also put it in its secondary packaging, and then you can actually simulate what that product is going to experience during like a shipping journey or uh, how it's being uh, used by um, the end customer and what's their packaging kind of experience going to be when they're opening it and using the product in that kind of second moment of truth uh, scenario. So these are all models that can be built and be proven out. And then you get all that data back and try to predict the performance performance of the package and making sure that uh, you're attaining all those goals as part of the targets that were, you know, originally put in a design brief or in a, in a design target for that engineering of that product. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know if, I mean, I don't know how much you're able to share in general, but uh, you know, any specific customer examples or that process in, in the packaging space that, that you can speak to? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of, of our customers are using, you know, more advanced simulation. And since their task is to really supply OEMs, with more original packaging. Obviously, they have to be aesthetically pleasing on shelf. So there's a lot of demands on uh, making packages fresh and new and stand out on shelf. And so they're trying to not only please the OEM as far as making a unique package, but also achieving those sustainable goals. And it's got to be cost effective and it's got to obviously comply with local regulation, maybe a recycling, a post-consumer recycling requirement. All these different, almost like a multi-dimensional problem that they have, our customers are putting these design constraints uh, into these multi-physics engines and it allows them to basically attain these uh, design concepts much faster than they could have in the past. And a lot of them are you know, reducing things like uh, time and cost by almost by half. And they're also being able to deliver, you know, real concepts to their customers with, you know, with the same amount of people, they can go through maybe 10 to different iterations and concepts where in the past they'd only been, you know, deliver one or two within the same uh, time and context. So it's a really a productivity boost for our customers that's allowing them to mitigate any risk and problems with the designs earlier in the process. It's kind of that fail fast, understand the constraints and requirements, and then iterate and generate that new concept rapidly. And, and certainly with other converging technologies like 3D printing, it allows you to really create you know, these rapid concepts and improve them out very quickly, iterate through them, provide these concepts to their customers and have them really experience those things very quickly and prove them out before they get into uh, you know, commercial scale up. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, we certainly hear that all the time, fail quickly. And I think historically, certainly without these sorts of technologies, you can get down the, the line pretty far before you realize, you know, it's just not a viable solution. So, so being yeah. able to head upstream, certainly. Yeah, you don't want to be in full scale production and then you find you have a problem and start to recall products or anything like that. That gets uh, into a lot of cost and nasty business there. Could be penalties involved or God forbid, you know, some, someone has a problem or gets hurt in the process of deploying or, or using a product. Awesome. No, absolutely. No, I, I think this is really good. I, I'm trying to think from my end. 
Is there anything else that you guys would kind of want to add? Yeah, certainly. I think, um, you know, this is just kind of the, I think the beginning of a, of a journey for a lot of our customers. You know, they, a lot of people get scared by the technology, to be honest, if they haven't invested a lot in, in simulation or they see it as um, kind of a big black box that they, you know, that they don't understand. That may have been in the past, maybe, you know, 10 years ago, you needed, you know, a staff of PhDs to uh, develop these multi-physics models and, and deploy the technology. Technology. There was a lot of investment up front before you really got any return. Uh, that's just not the case today. Everything has gotten cheaper. Computing power in the cloud now with high-performance computing, it's getting relatively cheap to do th these very sophisticated co-simulations because you can just rent CPU time. Also, the, the simulation technology themselves, all the methods that you'd have to develop in the scratch before, you know, a lot of that has been commercialized now. So we're taking advantage of kind of industry best practice. We're packaging those up and then deploying those in a commercial manner. So people taking advantage now of these technologies are really just getting the fruits and benefits of those people who kind of were the industry leaders who kind of proved out uh, that simulation and certainly in the CPG industry is certainly a worthwhile endeavor. And it's just not for like automotive and aero and these high-tech industries. Simulation can be used not only for design and aesthetics, but also you know simulation of you know, packaging lines. So a lot of the industrial engineering that goes on in delivering high-performance packaging, all these things, I think the costs are, are, are coming down and our customers are getting basically a good return on their investment in a much shorter time frame than, than they have in, in past years. Yeah, I would just think about that. I remember my first kind of exposure to simulation. I'll, I'll leave the company I was with out at the time, but they've got much better at it, I'm sure. But it, it was new to us. You know, we, we bought the software and we had all these special computers and we had like one guy that, that could run the equipment. Right, right. And, and on the, the side, we were on the development side, you know, it would take so long to get the results that it was actually much faster just to go out in the lab and test it. So exactly we, it was this big failed attempt and but yeah it was taking about a couple of weeks to run the simulation we're like we have a lab right next door yep and in fact that. simulation can be really utilized hand in hand with physical testing and in fact you know that is the strategy is the fact that you can take now that data that you do gather in physical labs and then run those into machine learning al algorithms to make that design iteration process that much faster so we're using basically you know ai and machine learning as a way to accelerate that productivity now. So getting that data from physical labs, that's a you know, massively important data resource that, you know, in the past, typically, you know, it's maybe in a, in a notebook somewhere and stored or stored in someone's head, but with, you know, new technology and certainly in the, in the realm of machine learning now, you can now feed that data into uh, machine learning uh, algorithms and that can make your simulation methods that much better going forward. It's a great data resource to have for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you kind of look towards the, the future, you know, and as, as package engineers obviously get more sophisticated in terms of this modeling and, and moving more towards this digital fast, uh, rapid sort of turnaround with this. What do you kind of see as sort of the, the trends in this or you're just starting out moving into this simulation? Like, what do you think that looks like or kind of how do you suggest people get started? Yeah, well, I think the trend in the future is going to be more of a value chain focus design and decision process because of the fact I think packaging is really um, a multi-use product at the end of the day and the um, with the omni-channel that we have now you know the, there's more and more uh, direct-to-consumer packaging being developed so the understanding of that whole transportation value chain of products uh, has to be well understood and having one-on-one 
one-off packaging for very specific you know usage requirements i think it's going to be uh, something that's going to be into consideration going forward so i think that's kind of the future is this more holistic view of packaging and simulating it all the way out through the transportation value chain and especially too when you're going to have robotics and you know drones and you know self-driving vehicles delivering these packages i really don't think it's that far away to be honest i think we're getting very close to that becoming reality and those considerations allow us to actually collect a lot of the data that's going to come from the telemetry from those different vehicles and technologies and that we'll be able to feed that back as a physical loop and understand kind of the packaging journey a little bit better and without these models it's going to be hard to kind of try to physically do that and try to predict performance of packaging through that value chain so to get started in this thing it's just basically get, you know you got to dip your toe in the water <laughs> and start to understand how this stuff works and certainly um, just starting from the very beginning you know it, around you know primary packaging using known materials and methods i think you know that's the easiest way to get started i think most design centers now are already you know fully trained up on you know mechanical modeling and automating a lot of that process i think the next kind of big push is is really the simulation realm on how do you leverage all that digital data that dimensional data feed that into these machine learning algorithms and and that's just going to give the designer more freedom to be more creative and provide their customers a more rapid response a more innovative response rather than kind of sweat all the details at the beginning of the process you know use those learning algorithms to come up with some really interesting and innovative designs and then focus more on the creative and, and provide that much better of a service to their OEM customers. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point, especially if you're trying to push the boundaries and new materials. You, From a creative side, you may kind of skew being more, more conservative because it's so many different new new elements and, and bringing new changes to that. So no, I think it's a really good point of having this type of system would, would allow for some more creativity, allow for some more freedom in that design, being able to try you know unique concepts without like the tooling costs and prototyping time. And uh, no, I think there's some really great benefits beyond the scientific side of it and the technical side of it, but, but certainly around that creative design side as well. Right on. Yeah, fully agree. Perfect. So if somebody wants to find out some more information, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, uh, you know, we have our uh, certainly um, Tesla Systems website, 3ds.com would be a place to go and get all our industry-specific materials. Uh, we have 11 different industries that we focus on, and consumer packaged goods is, is certainly one of those verticals on our on our website. So a lot of good materials there, a lot of good reference customer uh, materials there, uh, white papers on simulation, packaging design, uh, and then all our supporting materials from our brands like Katia, SolidWorks, Simulia all on our website. That would be probably the best place to go. And outside of YouTube too, if you want to see you know more interactive uh, videos, um, we have a substantial library of uh, presentations online on a lot of the social networks too. Perfect. Well, well, Ray, I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining me today and look forward to speaking to you again in the future. Thanks very much, Jared, for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to Inside the Box with Jared Spencer. For more resources and information on all things packaging, head to our website, adeptpackaging.com. Don't forget to subscribe, and thanks again for listening.